Football with Forno. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, or as a lot of people know me as, Forno. A lot happened here during week five of the college football season, and we're going to start on Thursday night, and that would be BYU and Utah State. Now, when it comes to college football, this result really wasn't much in doubt. Um, BYU was favored by 25, only won by 12, 38 to 26 with that last touchdown from Utah State kind of coming in garbage time against the Cougars in Provo. Now, what I really want to talk about is quarterback Jaron Hall. He's been missing star receivers Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney for the majority of the season and has still found a way to, one, put up big numbers and lead the Cougars to a 4-1 and record. And the only real disappointment was against Oregon, where they kind of got boat raced early, but a lot of that had to do with just the ineffectiveness at the wide receiver position. One of the really intriguing things about Hall is his ability to drop it in a bucket. He does a fantastic job dropping it in, a, in the bucket, mainly on nine routes. So when the receiver's just running deep, he has the ability to just drop it perfectly. And it happened here in this game. And they did a great job. They were able to capitalize it. The ball landed perfectly right at the 10-yard line. And he was able to take it in pretty easy. And you absolutely love to see it. That was to Keanu Hill from 31 yards out, even though it felt like a much longer uh, pass than that. Listen, Jaron Hall is going to be a guy that you are going to need to keep your eye on when it comes to the NFL draft. He has done a tremendous job over the course of his career with the Cougars. Now, one of the intriguing things with Hall, he's going to be 25 years old come draft time. This normally would be an issue, but with covid there are going to be a lot of older prospects. And at quarterback, you can play into your 40s. We're seeing that with Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is about to turn 40. Phillip Rivers was playing decently at 40. Roethlisberger was almost there. Brett Favre. There are a litany of examples of quarterbacks playing well late into their career. So you have a guy like Jaron Hall, who served in more of a mission. He's a baseball player. So he's able to throw at all kinds of arm angles. You talk about all those little nuance elements, and you have a player that can really take the next step and potentially be a very good NFL prospect. And I love Jaron Hall. He is probably my quarterback three at the moment. I have not done a lot of in-depth research on this class, obviously, because we're focusing more on the college football and betting season. But as things continue to progress, this is going to be something that is going to be a must watch. Now, as we continue to move forward with the rest of week five, Friday night, Pac-12 after dark, Washington versus UCLA. It was a barn burner. UCLA jumped out to a big lead, ended up leading 40-16 to before Washington stormed back in the fourth quarter and tried to make a game of it. Michael Penix Jr. was rough early, turned it on late, 345 yards, four touchdowns, but the duo of Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Zach Charbonnet just ransacked that Washington defense that didn't look like they could stop a Pop Warner team. And Jake Bobo had a fantastic day, six for 142 and two touchdowns through the air. Look, this UCL team is legit, and they're going to have some tough matchups down the road. They are obviously going to uh, have the game against uh, USC late in the year. Um, they do host them in the Rose Bowl in the week before. They have kind of a trap game with Arizona. Arizona is a fun, fun fun football team not only are they fun they're very good but we're really gonna see over the next three weeks utah this weekend 230 central kick on fox that's gonna be one of the games of the day and then they have a bye 
and then they go to Eugene to play Oregon. If they come out of that stretch as a 7-0 and football team, we are going to have to look at UCLA seriously at being a playoff contender because even though the Pac-12, Pac-12s themselves, Stanford, very winnable. Arizona State, very winnable. Arizona, it's more on the winnable side. USC will be a dogfight, and Cal, very winnable. This is a Bruins team that can make a real run, and if they do make that run, they are 18th right now in the AP poll, and being that low at this point isn't necessarily the best thing in the world, but they have opportunities, especially with Utah this weekend, to skyrocket that ranking because Utah is a fringe top 25 or top 10 team. Washington, look, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains. We saw that. They just didn't come to play on defense. And when the, the offense had to turn it on late, it was just too little at that point. Um, this is going to be a very good team long-term. Kalen DeBoer has them going in the right direction. Um, having brought his offensive coordinator from Fresno State over with him, Washington's going to be fine. But this was definitely, definitely a disappointment for the Huskies, considering how well and how explosive they had started the season. Now, as we kind of turn into the schedule on Saturday, one of the biggest takeaways is going to be that Georgia stunk. And they won a massive conquer 26-22 over uh, the Missouri Tigers. And just a rough showing overall for Missouri. Sorry, not Missouri, for Georgia. Missouri actually played really well. It looked like they were uh, fighting for Eli Drinkwitz's job, and they did a great job with that. I was really, really impressed with them, but I was not impressed at all with Georgia. The offense couldn't do anything in the first half, and it was incredibly frustrating to watch because this is a team that really needs the offense to help carry their defense. The defense ha had historic levels of talent last year. Seven guys from that defense got drafted, and the only one that didn't get drafted in the first three rounds was Darian Kendrick, who ended up getting drafted in the sixth round, mainly because he tested abysmally at the combine, one of the worst cornerback testings we'd seen from a, a high-ranking prospect in a long time. Jalen Carter hurt his knee in this game. He's going to be out one to two weeks with a sprained MCL, which obviously is a big deal considering how dynamic and dominant of a player he is. But outside of Kiwi Ringo and Nolan Smith, there aren't a lot of dynamite players on this defense. They're in a true rebuilding year for that unit. And Stetson Bennett, his Heisman candidacy was always a facade. I wrote about it last week, plus 2,600. Oof. Why would you bet on Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman? He's not at dynamic. He, yes, he plays at a great program, but the offense isn't suited to help him really get to a true level of candidacy. It it never made sense. And then you saw it here. Yeah, box score was fine. He threw for 345 yards, whoop-de-doo. But he didn't throw a touchdown. He didn't really make a ton of dynamic plays to help get them out of the hole that they were in. And that offense, it's going to be run, 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 run. And then they're going to do some boot action. They're going to do jet sweeps with Brock Bowers. They're not going to do a lot to help Bennett become a true candidate for the award. And if Bennett can't help dig them out of holes consistently, because he, he was fine-ish in this game, but is he going to be able to do that against Alabama? I really don't think you can put the game on his shoulders. He is a game manager in the sense that when you 
have him, you're going to have him run your offense. You're not going to have him become the offense. And I think that's going to be the big differentiation when you talk about the playoff quarterbacks because you're looking at C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Those guys can win football games on their own. You are not going to get that with Stetson Bennett the fourth. Georgia has Tennessee. They have Florida. They have Mississippi State. And they don't have Alabama, which is a big deal. This Georgia team could end up undefeated going in the SEC championship game. They could have one or two losses because they are at Kentucky as well. This is going to be a team that needs to figure their stuff out. And when they do, they could be dangerous. But I don't know if they're going to get there. Alabama did get there, um, beating Arkansas 49-26. to The big thing with Bama versus Arkansas was that Bryce Young injured his shoulder. Sprained AC joint. Didn't play the rest of the game. Jalen Milrow struggled throwing the football, and Jameer Gibbs had to take over. I wrote earlier this week for Fantasy Points about college football futures and how you should buy Jameer Gibbs plus 2,000. Last week, he was at plus 4,000. So if you bought him then, you're feeling really, really good now. He had to carry the team. Absolutely had to carry him. And he ended up taking the offense to a different level. And once it became a 20 to 23 football game, ended up running 206, two touchdowns on the day, really ended the game and, and put the nail on the coffin for Arkansas. A very, very good performance from a back that we knew would be able to have that kind of uh, performance because he was absolutely dominant for Georgia Tech. With Young having to miss any kind of substantial time, they're going to lean on the running game. And that means the Jameer Gibbs show. And with Young of already winning a Heisman Trophy, you just don't win two Heisman Trophies. Tim Tebow should have won in 09. And in my analysis, he didn't win and gave it to arguably the weakest Heisman candidate of all time, Mark Ingram, sorry, weakest winner, because Tebow had already won a Heisman. You go back in that year, anybody that's not an Alabama fan is going to tell you that Tebow should have won the Heisman. He didn't because he'd already won one. Young's not going to win again unless he somehow comes back and becomes Joe Burrow 2.0, which at this point is going to be incredibly difficult to do. Now, Michigan avoided the pit of misery in Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, where Iowa, their last six times they had hosted a top-five opponent, they were 5-1. and one. Not only did they win 27-14, but they covered. Um, Blake Corum was the star of the game, 133 yards and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy did not look rattled at Kinnick Stadium, which is tough to do because it is a difficult place to play the game of football for a road team. They made the right decision by picking McCarthy over McNamara, but it's not going to pay dividends immediately because he's going to need time. He's going to have to get comfortable, and he's getting comfortable. He's playing good football. And quite frankly, that's what you want. You just want him playing good football. And Spencer Petra somehow beat his... um, passing prop by 100 yards, throwing for 246. But a lot of that was some garbage time. Iowa's older points came in the fourth quarter. They did not play well. That offense is anemic, and it's going to continue to be that way. (laughs) Moving on, Ohio State beat Rutgers 49-10. C.J. Stroud kind of had a coasted game, and Mayan Williams was the star. 21 for 189 and five touchdowns with Travion Henderson not playing Um, very much because he's been dealing with a rash of injuries. Look, they coasted in this game, and they really didn't have to do a whole lot. 
Rutgers was an easy win. They have Michigan State this week. They have Penn State in three. This Ohio State team can go places. How far they will go will depend on how healthy they can get because they had no Jackson Smith and Jigba in this game. They need to take a step. Can they take that step? That is the genuine question right now, and we're going to have to wait for an answer because they need to be healthy first. We're going to stay in the Big Ten. We're going to jump all the way down to number 21, Minnesota, losing homecoming to Purdue 20-10. to We had a mysterious um, DMP in Muhammad Ibrahim. He looked a little banged up and appeared to have gotten that way against Michigan State in the second half last week, but he dressed, he warmed up, didn't play. Really frustrating for the Gophers, and honestly, it kind of crippled their offense. Potts and Williams were really not able to get much going on the ground, only 47 rushing yards on the day. Tanner Morgan threw three picks. But the big thing with this Minnesota program, they were not able to uh, convert opportunities. Those three interceptions, one of them was in the end zone, and it was an easy touchdown catch by Mike Brown-Stevens. Bounced right off his chest into arms of a defender. Touchback. They also missed a chip shot field goal. I believe it was 27 yards. You can't do those kind of things if you want to beat good teams. And Purdue, as much as they struggled, they had Nate O'Connell. They were able to play good football. They were able to take control and win this game. It was a 10-10 game in the, at the end of the third quarter. Minnesota could not get anything done. And they paid the price with their first loss. And with how competitive this Big Ten West is going to be, at the top with Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, that could cost them a trip to Indianapolis. So that's going to be something to watch. But Minnesota could just as easily run the table, win the Big Ten West, and make the playoff. And I don't think anybody would be more like super surprised because this Minnesota team's the defense is legit, and the offense, when the running game gets going, is nearly unstoppable because they're efficient and effective. Tanner Morgan feels like he's been there for like 20 years, and he is overall just a really solid quarterback that run, knows how to run the system. Max Duggan is learning how to run the system at TCU. 55-24, absolute ass-whipping of Oklahoma. It wasn't even fair. TCU dominated. Absolutely dominated the game. Um, they didn't score a point in the fourth quarter. It was 55-17 at the end of three. And Oklahoma just struggled. Dylan Gabriel um, ended up getting hurt in the second quarter slid uh, defender kind of came in and took out his head that got taken off the field with a concussion, really rough stuff, stuff that you just don't want to see one happen. And two, you don't like seeing guys make these kind of moves because we're trying to get that out of a game. And the fact that it's still somewhat prevalent, big woof. Other than that, TCU four and oh, one and oh, the big 10, 12, they're going to be a team to watch. They're on the rise. Sonny Dykes knows what he's doing. Lincoln Riley's brother, Garrett, calling the plays. This TCU team, once they really get some um, air raid talent in the building, is going to be lethal. Mississippi State, who also runs the air raid, um, destroyed Texas A&M in a game that wasn't even close. 42-24. Will Rogers does not have the strongest arm in the world, but it doesn't matter. 329, three touchdowns. They did a great job distributing. They were dynamic. At one point in this game, Texas A&M had four red zone possessions, and they were outscored by Mississippi State 7-3 to in those possessions. A truly tremendous stat that really 
um, is the epitome of what the Jimbo Fisher offensive experience is. Jimbo Fisher runs a pro style style system with a little bit of spread elements and it just doesn't work. They don't utilize spacing. Well, they don't, they have dynamic athletes, but they're asking him to do super basic stuff. It's easily covered. They need to mix it up. They really need to mix it up and they won't. And maybe when they play Alabama this weekend and they get bolt raced and the offense looks like booty, maybe Jimbo faces some pressure from boosters because he basically has an unfireable contract. Now, we're talking about oil tycoons who are the boosters. They can afford it. Are they going to want to pay some 40, 50 million bucks to get rid of him? No, he's recruiting like a madman. Eight five-star recruits in the 2022 class, the top class in all of college football. And he's continuing that trend, and especially on the defensive line. They are going to be phenomenal on that line for the next few years. And it's going to be really interesting to see how they continue to develop but they need to figure out how to be better on offense. And in order to be better, they have to figure out how to scheme better. That is the number one thing right now with the uh, Texas A&M Aggies. Will they do it? Pfft, who knows? Uh, I, I don't trust Jimbo at all, but we'll see. The number 11 Penn State Nittany Lions. won by a score of 17 to seven. This was an ugly football game, multiple turnovers and just bad weather. It was chilly. It was rainy and like both quarterbacks, just ugly stuff. They combined 25 of 57 for 350 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. They couldn't do anything. The um, teams were fumbling like crazy. The uh, Penn State lost four of them. Nicholas Singleton lost two. Kevon Lee and Katrin Allen each lost one. There were uh, three fumbles on the Northwestern side with two of them lost. Just ugly stuff. Penn State winning ugly is good, but it's also bad. Northwestern's not a good football team, but they're always the team that people are like, okay, they're going to hang in there with teams. They're going to play decent football and they did they hung in there with a good Penn State team but if you're Penn State with the weapons that you have you have to be able to beat them Sean Clifford is not a good quarterback he came back in that Purdue game and had that game-winning drive and James Frank was going to be able to lean on that all season and be like this is why we are playing Sean Clifford well if they want to take another step they should start Drew Alar but they won't because we're talking about James Franklin. James Franklin's not going to change. He just isn't. And really frustrating for Penn State fans, frustrating for college football fans who want to see these weapons be utilized better, like Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, Singleton out of the backfield. This is a very good football team that is just not being given the opportunities to succeed. One game that was really good, Ole Miss beats Kentucky 22-19 to in a very competitive game. Will Levis, a uh, couple brutal fumbles, um, got sacked for a safety, sacked three times on the day. Will Levis, I, I don't understand him as a pro prospect as of right now. People are talking about him. Oh, he should go first overall. He's my quarterback one. Why? Yes, he has a, he has a strong arm. 
He can throw it far and he can throw it far accurately, but he can't see the field worth anything at the moment. And if he can't see anything, like, how can you trust him? He's not quick enough making reads. That offense schemes stuff up for him and he executes it well. But outside of that, he's not, he's nowhere close to a finished product. And when you have guys who have an immense amount more talent that are about at the same level of progression as him, I don't see how you can take him really high. Ole Miss really rebuilt this team out of the transfer portal after losing Matt Corral and a ton of weapons. Um, the best one that they have, obviously Jackson Dart's starting quarterback, very capable. Him and Michael Trigg coming from USC, Trigg the tight end. They've done a great job. Quinchon Judkins, the f- true freshman running back, kind of overtook Zach Evans, who came in just lauded. 15 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Out-carried Evans by six in this game. And Ulysses Bentley the fourth didn't have a single carry. Now, that kind of tells you what shape this group is in. I really like Ole Miss here long-term. They're going to have a tough schedule. Um, their last five games are brutal finishing off with the Egg Bowl at Mississippi State. They do get Alabama at home, which I'm going to be honest, could be a trap game for the Crimson Tide. This Ole Miss team is for real, and as long as Lane Kiffin continues to stay at Ole Miss, I think that this team is going to be really good for a long time. Another team that's going to be really good for a long time, 5-0 USC. They did not cover 25.5, only beating Arizona State 42-25 at home. Arizona State forced a couple turnovers, was able to sustain drives with the running game, and they played really solid football. And they lost their uh, head coach uh, two weeks ago, Herm Edwards got fired. We all know why the poor performance and um, all the recruiting stuff, uh, which is one of the reasons why they lost so much talent and coaches as well. But the Trojans cannot protect worth anything on offense. And Caleb Williams had to make like three Patrick Mahomes-esque plays where he's running around and just being all crazy, but it worked and it worked really well. And they were able to score off of it. Jordan Addison, 8 for 105. Travis Dye, another really solid game, scored a touchdown. This USC team is going to continue to play well, get better. They are going to struggle against Utah and UCLA. But if they're able to get through those games and win the Pac-12, a one-loss USC team with how highly they were viewed coming into the year, is probably going to make the playoff. They're going to be a team to watch. I'm really excited for what this Pac-12 is going to look like. The Big 12, on the other hand, is weird because you have some basement dwellers, but Oklahoma State, 36-25 over Baylor in a game that was 23-3 at one point, then got a little close. We had 39 total points scored in the third quarter, and then Oklahoma State got the final field goal in the fourth, and we were able to put it away, intercepting Blake Shapin uh, towards the end. Um, they got both their interceptions late, excuse me. And... If Spencer Sanders continues to play this consistent, Oklahoma State has a real chance to make the playoff, but they have to sweep the Big 12. Um, They're ranked number nine. Their defense is not quite as good as last year, and Jim Knowles is gone, but they're playing really, really good football. I'm a big fan of where this team is, where they're going, and how they're doing it. Can they continue this? That's going to be the big thing. I don't know. Um, Touching up on a couple other games as well. Oregon beat Stanford 45-27 in the late night window. 
Bonex is Bonex. Um, he had some flashes, and including an 80-yard touchdown run against Stanford. But um, throwing the football, he struggled. Um, Tanner McKee struggled as well. Feels like Stanford really needs to uh, go to like some kind of triple option or um, really only do the true pro style system. And they're just their academic standards are too high to um, really compete with some of these other teams because they're the window of who they can bring in is just a, a little more narrow than other teams. And it's just an unfortunate reality that they have to deal with. I know um, the University of Minnesota kind of had that, especially with basketball. Um, over the last 20 years, some of the higher end recruits weren't able to come in because of grades. And it's just some, you, you, it's, it's a roadblock. You have to figure it out. Um, Utah beat up on Oregon state 42, 16 after Oregon state almost beat USC. This Utah team's for real. Um, the game against Florida, Florida is an odd team because they play really well. And then they play stinky football, but Utah 42, 16, really good win over Oregon state. Uh, Cam rising three touchdowns uh, through the air, one on the ground. Um, I thought he was a dark horse Heisman contender. Hasn't really come to fruition that way. Um, Wake Forest got up 21, seven and a half on Florida state and then put them away 31, 21 for the win. And Florida state, they looked a little fraudulent. We'll see how that ends up translating. I don't know if they're going to be really good. If they're just going to be who they are, they're going to be a team to continue to keep an eye on. Lastly, the Kansas Jayhawks have now doubled their win total after week five. They are 5-0, 2-0 in the Big 12. 14-11 win over Iowa State, covering a three-point uh, spread uh, where they were the underdog. And Matt Campbell um, is now 5-14 in games where it's a three-and-a-half-point spread or less on either side. Rough stuff for the Iowa State Cyclones. They just weren't able to get anything done on offense consistently. Xavier Hutchinson was the offense with 101 receiving yards on 13 catches. But Kansas, Kansas is a fun football team, and they're figuring out this stuff so far this year. I love what they're able to do. Can they continue against TCU next week? That I don't know. I hope so because Kansas has been fun. They've been kind of a renaissance, but we're going to have to wait and see because if they become bowl eligible next week, I'm going to take them for real. Um, they almost beat Oklahoma last year. They did beat Texas last year. So we're not talking about a team who's just truly coming out of nowhere. They've been competitive with teams, and they're going to continue to do so. As we look forward to this weekend, Michigan goes to Indiana, Tennessee to LSU, TCU goes to Kansas, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Those are the early window top games. I would keep your eye on TCU, Kansas, because that is going to be a lot of fun. And as I look at my puppy, Odie, he is going to be hanging out with me, watching that game along with the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas. I, I'm not entirely sure how long it's been since both teams were unranked, but I'm sure it's been quite a while because I don't think Oklahoma's been unranked at this point in the season. I don't know, maybe since the beginning of the Bob Stoops era. Um, and as we kind of continue on, Georgia is going to take on Auburn. Um, Auburn's a weird football team because they continue to play hard and then they try to lose the game. They're one and one in games. They try to lose at the end, beating Missouri, losing to LSU. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech is another big one. Same with the Utah, UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan. All of those in that three o'clock window. 
Washington, Arizona State is one to keep an eye on if you love really fun offense with Michael Penix Jr. Um, Washington State, USC is the game of the night. 6.30 p.m., Cam Ward versus Caleb Williams. Cam Ward is going to give you shades of Kyler Murray, the way he moves, the way he throws the football. He's got the the low arm angle, kind of like Patrick Mahomes. Cam Ward has all the tools, and he's learning how to use them. He had some struggles coming from Incarnate Word last year, but he did get his uh, head coach, Eric Morris, who's now the offensive coordinator for Washington State. And Cam Ward has the tools to be a great NFL quarterback. Can he continue to put it together? This is going to be a huge opportunity for him to go head-to-head against Caleb Williams and see what he can do. Last year, one of the games of the year was Wake Forest against Army, where Wake Forest won 70-56 to in just an absolute juggernaut offensive performance for both sides. If it lives up to anywhere sort of the expectations it did last year, that could be really good. But Wake Forest is for real. Their only loss is a double overtime loss to Clemson. If Wake Forest runs the table, they have an outside shot at a playoff. But at the very worst, a potential Orange Bowl bit. Notre Dame and BYU in a neutral site game in Las Vegas. I like BYU plus three and a half, especially if Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney play. Notre Dame can't really do much on offense. The only game they really did was against North Carolina. Guys, North Carolina's defense is atrocious. And I talked about that um, in my recent Futures article. Drake May, I love it, plus 3,500. Because if that team goes anywhere, it's going to be on the back of Drake May. He's already getting comparisons to Justin Herbert, rightfully so. He's got the build. He has the arm. He has the rushing ability. And he's getting the opportunities that Herbert didn't get in college, throwing the ball down the field. I love, love, love what May can become moving forward. He could be the quarterback one coming out in 2024. That's the only game that Notre Dame was really good on offense. BYU's got a better defense, a lot better defense in North Carolina. And if those receivers are healthy for Jaron Hall, watch out. And then the other late night game that, that you should keep an eye on, there are two of them. Or three of them, actually. Alabama hosts Texas A&M, 7 o'clock CBS. Uh, North Carolina State against Florida State at 7 o'clock ACC Network. And then if you get Pac-12 Network, Oregon, Arizona, going to be a fun watch because Arizona's a good football team now. Jed Fish has figured it out. He's brought in a lot of transfers. He's recruiting very well. And you put all of that together, along with getting that quarterback, Jaden Delora, They've already won three games to surpass their win total. Arizona's going places, and I'm excited to continue to watch them. The late-night sicko slate, uh, 8.45, Fresno State, Boise State, 9.30, Hawaii, San Diego State, 10, Oregon State, Stanford. Should be a good one. Not quite as dynamic as uh, last year, or last week, I mean, but should be really good. Meantime, that is it for today. Make sure you keep an eye for my Against the Spread article that drops Friday morning. Um, along with checking out my futures article that dropped on Tuesday. Um, I'll be doing some quick video hits for uh, some of my best bets as well that you can check out on the Fantasy Points College Football Twitter feed. And don't forget, our guys that do daily fantasy, fantasy football and props have been killing it this year. So make sure you check those out. If you have not signed up for a college football subscription yet, I highly recommend you do so. It is $50 for the year, and you get all of our content plus access to the discord if you don't already have it and we're gonna be doing a ton of stuff for bowl season we've already had people win thousands upon thousands of dollars with DraftKings using 
the recommendations for daily fantasy from our team. You are not going to want to miss out. In the meantime, make sure you sign up, get a discount with the code BONUS22. Have yourself a great day. 